So I'm just finalizing the finishing touches on my colorism webinar. Um, I'm looking at some work by Margaret Hunter. Margaret Hunter is an associate professor and Edward Hofield, Hoffield, chair in sociology at Mills College in Oakland, California. This is her bibliography that I'm reading, by the way. Her research interests include skin tone stratification in the African-American and Latino communities, colorblind color racism and discourse, and race and gender politics in hip-hop. She wrote a book called uh, Race, Gender, and the Politics of Skin Tone, 2005. I think it's a book. It was published by Rutledge. So Rutledge is a serious um, academic article. We, you know, when you're at uni, you kind of cite papers from it all the time across a broad spectrum of um, academic disciplines. It kind of tells me that, you know, these ideas are being taken really, really seriously and that's incredibly important. So there's a quote from one of her uh, papers from Gender and Society, actually. And it says, if you're light, you're all right. Skin colour as social capital for women of colour. And she also published in Gender and Class, sorry, in Race, Gender and Class, Women of Colour in Hip Hop, The Pornographic Gaze. So the current paper that I'm looking at is... Um, called Buying Racial Capital, Skin Bleaching and Cosmetic Surgery in a Global World. And she's absolutely hard-hitting. So I just want to read the abstract. Um, if people are interested, please check out her work. I have, uh, you know, built on her research and utilised her research in my own papers previously, specifically uh, my colorism paper. So the abstract reads, the merging of new technologies with old colonial ideologies has created a context where consumers can purchase racial capital through skin bleaching creams or cosmetic surgeries. The use of skin bleaching creams is on the rise throughout Africa and the African diaspora. And cosmetic surgery has increased dramatically among people of color in wealthy countries. Public discourse, however, is fraught with tension over these manipulations of the body. This paper examines three competing discourses. One, the beauty discourse, based on the mass marketing of cosmetic whitening products. Two, the public health discourse, designed to dissuade potential skin bleaches by exposing health risks. And three, the cosmetic surgery discourse, created to market cosmetic procedures to the new and growing quote, ethnic market. Uh, through analysis of advertisement and public health campaigns, in this, this article demonstrates the focus on individual attributes. In all three discourses, obfuscates colour-based discrimination and encourages the purchase of racial capital.
So if I move down a few paragraphs, um, this is what it states. Images of white beauty do not simply rely on white women with blonde hair and light eyes to sell products. Images of white beauty sell much more than beauty ideals or fashion for women around the globe. Taken as a whole, images of white beauty sell an entire lifestyle imbued with racial meaning. The lifestyle that is communicated through these ads sells whiteness, modernity, sophistication, beauty, power, and wealth. The mass marketing of these images of white beauty and a white lifestyle build on the long-standing European colonial ideas that valorize white beauty, European culture, and white aesthetics. So as you can see, she's pretty full on, and that's like one paragraph. And she goes on to explore this uh, paragraph through a, a number of subtitles. But I'm most interested in a quote that's taken from her subtitle on uh, the cosmetic surgery discourse, the new ethnic markets. And the quote I want to read is from a Dr. Kwan. My apologies. It's hell no, it's not from Dr. Kwan. It's from um, Yune, 2009. And it says, ethnic rhinoplasty or nose surgery has evolved recently. African-American women want to refine their nose while keeping their African-American identity. The last thing that a black woman wants is to have a Caucasian nose. Instead, they prefer a nose that is more balanced with the rest of their face, both in terms of its height and width. This often requires the use of nasal implants or cartilage graft in order to augment the nasal bridge. So predominantly, people are looking for thinner noses. And there's a kind of a common belief that it's not about um, changing who you are. Although it's obviously a clear assault upon your own phenotypic um, features. further goes on to quote on the next page having achieved economic autonomy black women of the today have chosen to reward themselves with plastic surgery it is not uncommon to hear an african-american woman tell me that after years of single-handedly putting my children through school and college i now want to do something for myself dot dot dot
so it's interesting how it's kind of propagated as a health narrative. You know, it's like well-being. I want to feel good about myself. But there is that sense of bleaching syndrome. Because the values continuously be prescribed to Eurocentric ideology of beauty. And that is the common, right? The common is people are striving to represent that. Striving to compete with that. And this is in spite of the fact that... Um, you know, both African nations and the Caribbean nations have launched high-profile public health campaigns critical of ble bleaching practices. In some places, um, bleaching products have been banned. So that is, uh, you know, almost... Uh, uh, a government intervention which says something about how addictive it is i'm really interested in her work on the pornographic gaze in hip-hop so i'll probably read that at some stage but I have um, observed other uh, very prominent uh, black female intellectuals talk about how there is this uh, exploitation of the black woman's body through presenting it as something that is um, for exploits, for sexual exploits. And I guess we see that on Instagram today, uh, not just with black women's bodies, but with the desire to, uh, you know, negate the, negate the space of femininity through these exploitative um, values that are placed in terms of likes. And how that becomes representation of, um, sadly, leadership. Sadly and embarrassingly. So that kind of uh, instructive weaponization of femininity, particularly uh, reaffirming a white notion of beauty and challenging um, 
what might be normatively understood as an African or African-American body. And y'all, I have to speak on this because I have no ass. My, my ass is like a fucking European woman's. So in that context, I'm completely out of whack on both fucking sides. But... I have noticed that there is a propensity to promote that as being a definitive um, quality of what an African-American woman's body looks like. And we know that from uh, prominent court cases in the US. For example, Plessy versus Ferguson in 1896. Um, irrespective of how much African-American blood you have, the Supreme Court sees you as being African-American. So it's just interesting, just noting, darling, when I read... Just observing for those who have time to pull their gaze away from Playboy or Playboy provocations on online social media. Peace.